0: The Fintech 5 podcast is sponsored by NTT Data Services. NTT Data Services, a global business and IT innovator, partners with clients to navigate and simplify the modern complexities of business and technology, delivering the insight, solutions, and outcomes that matter most. Basically, they get stuff done. Learn more at NTTDataServices.com.
1: Steve Wozniak said, wherever smart people work, doors are unlocked. Well, the fintech industry is brimming with smart people, idealists, dreamers, movers and shakers who are unlocking the doors to new possibilities in the financial world. This is the fintech five.
0: Welcome to The Fintech Five, this is Jason Henricks, your host, and today we're joined by Elise Musa, founder and CEO of SnapPay, a mobile payments platform using cryptocurrency to serve the underbanked. Welcome, Elise, and to kick off, what was the eureka moment when you saw both the problem and the potential solution that led to SnapPay?
1: Hi, Jason. Thanks so much for having me on here today. So the Eureka moment was when I was traveling back in 2012 and I had forgotten my wallet. I had a cell phone in hand and a $100 bill from the U.S. I tried to pay and the lady wouldn't accept my $100 bill. So I looked around and I thought, well, this is insane. I should be able to pay with my cell phone. I quickly called up one of the engineers at a previous startup and I said, drop everything. I had a problem shopping and it turns out that there are half a billion under-underbanked people In the Middle East and North Africa. Developing the technology was not the biggest barrier to entry. What was really difficult was actually uh, working with banks and regulations in order to launch the application. It took us a few years to get a bank partner in order to launch our application. It's in private mode right now. However, this summer, I realized that the the real eureka moment was the bridging together of cryptocurrency and the fiat fiat worlds.
0: So you actually have experience in financial services, so you're no stranger to regulation and the challenges there. You also have startup experience under your belt, so you know entrepreneurship is an absolute bed of roses. Right. You combine those two things, you decide to do it on a global scale. What the hell were you thinking?
1: I was thinking... I had a problem to solve and when I looked further into fragmentation and that there are technologies to solve it using, for example, the blockchain, I thought, well, if nobody else is going to do it, why the hell not? This is a real problem and there are solutions out there, so let's do it.
0: Where do you get your tenacity?
1: I believe that I was raised this way from a very young age by my mother um, to learn to, to speak and to be a leader and to learn. I also think that Everybody uh, learns throughout life, but I I think specifically I learned about resiliency as well. And I think I'd get my tenacity by both um, my upbringing and also my personal experiences, and to always have hope that there's a solution around the corner and things can be better. And we're lucky to have technology to implement solutions.
0: So speaking of the learning front, what's been your most important lesson as an innovator in a regulated space?
1: That's a very interesting question, Jason. As right now, the ICO world is pretty much self regulated. Um, however, t- my learning experience has been that it takes time, it takes a lot of time to move uh, the current processes of, of banks and risk and compliance teams to keep up with technology, and that really unfortunately hinders innovation. Yeah. So you'll find sometimes a startup has a technology, but they have to wait six months in
0: order to release it. Uh, at least six months. That's actually on the optimistic side of things. So speaking of uh, ICOs, you're going through one right now. Yes. Why did you choose that as a fundraising route? And does that have implications? Does that scare your bank partner because it is... It, you know, really the Wild West still?
1: Great questions. We're very excited to do the ICO because when we started looking at a real value for our participants, whether it's Amy buying the Snap, buying coffee with the SnapPay app, or it's Joe creating a really cool GIF on the content platform to earn SnapPay coins, and then to be able to exchange those coins in order to buy a cup of coffee as well, or exchange it into a different currency, we thought, well, why not? Why not reward people um, for using the platform why let the VCs and the banks keep all of the profits and transaction fees and other fees They usually make and their returns on investments and why not give some of that back and make it part of the ecosystem? So that's it's sustainable and rewarding
0: very interesting So you lived in so many different places and you travel extensively like where in the world are you right now?
1: I'm currently uh, visiting family in Beirut. I moved to Paris this year uh, to work with our bank partner and I, I love Boston. I was raised and I lived there my whole life. So I'm looking forward to also going back
0: home. So given all of the places uh, that you've lived, where did you choose to locate Snapbay and why?
1: Snapbay is an American company incorporated in Delaware. And I thought it was very important as an American to have an American company. I had explored um, opening up a subsidiary in France. However, sometimes um, the process takes a lot longer in in other countries. So I think one of the awesome um, things about having a startup in the US is that it's fairly quick and easy and cheap to set up.
0: Yeah, not hard at all, especially now with online, right? You can go to incorporate.com and 10 minutes later, you have a company,
1: right? Or have your lawyers do it. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. So rapid fire section, one sentence or two sentence answers. What is the most overhyped part of FinTech?
1: Can you give me an example? What What do you think is the most overhyped?
0: Oh, don't get me going. I, I've got <laughs> a lot of them. I'll get on a soapbox here. You know, f- for me, one of the most um, is, I hate to say this to you, but the cryptocurrency overtaking the world. Uh, I think there's lots of places for it. And I think what you're doing is one of those. But what makes a really good currency is actually stable value ubiquitous in its acceptance and it's very transparent and a lot of the cryptos don't do that so if you're choosing that it needs to solve a very particular use case and one of those I think is heavy fragmentation like you're going after and the other is international trade but that's going to take a while to take over so that's that's my soapbox
1: right i i I feel the same way too i think that there's a lot of hype there are a lot of people spending a ton of money uh into marketing and pr for something that's really not a utility token Mm -hmm. um and it's really creating too much noise so that those that are trying to solve a real world problem like we are which is to make it rewarding to enable um people anywhere to send and receive money um and to remove fragmentation and this is both for crypto and fiat and for people who are under underbanked are people who just aren't really benefiting as much as they could be from their banking relationships. So I agree with you.
0: So since you let me give um, my soapbox on cryptos, you get to answer two of your biggest pet peeves. One you've already hinted at with all male panels. Let's talk about that for a second. What is it going to take, in your view, to actually really push the gender equality piece within fintech, and what can men in the space do to be better allies?
1: I think that for men to lean in more and be better allies when they're invited to speak, of course, and if they see it's an all-male panel, to step down and refer a few females in their their position. Um, I think it's also really important for people who are organizing events um, and companies to try try a little harder to really reach out to females because there are lists out there and we're out there. So um, there's no excuse why there shouldn't be at least one female on a panel, if not half of it be females. It's really important for us to be part of it because we're currently in the making and building of it.
0: Well, it showed, let me get out one of my biggest pet peeves then, so, as long as we're going back and forth here. It's actually all women panels when the panel is on gender issues that you don't even put a mail up there so we can have a frank discussion and to think that the only panel that women should be on is to talk about gender.
1: Right, I, I, I feel the same way.